What's up, guys? This is the Founder Hour podcast. I'm your co-host, Pat. And I'm Posh. And we're sitting here with Ashley Merrill. Ashley, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, so before we kind of get uh, this thing going, why don't we kind of talk a little bit about how we even heard about Lunia. Yeah. We had your husband, Mark, on the show yeah. not too long ago. Yeah. When was that? It was like episode, It's been a long time ago now, yeah. Yeah, episode. <laughs> it's in the 30s. Or, yeah, we're in the, yeah, we yeah. just passed episode 100. So yeah. it was like episode 30 or 40, one of, something one like of those. Something like that. Yeah, 41, um, maybe 31, something like that. Yeah, so and I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he's like top five of our yeah. podcast, like yeah. download-wise. So Are you trying to set goal, the bar high for yeah, me? What's happening right is, now? You got to beat him. Is, we right. got to beat him. Actually, he's top three. Is okay. He? Yeah. Okay. All right. So yeah. You gotta beat him. Yeah, yeah. Good to know. <laughs> yeah. People love Riot Games. It is a pretty cool company. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty rad when we went there. So yeah, and and we and we went, I think we posted on Reddit and it just went like nuts. That makes sense. That's yeah. Right. I think people the, were just the like core. Yeah. The core Riot fans yeah. are definitely going to be yeah. on Reddit. Yeah. yeah, and it's funny. My girlfriend's favorite part of that episode was when he mentioned Lunia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like she came, she did not care about Riot Games. We have somewhat polarizing yeah. appeal yeah, in yeah, that yeah, way, yeah, yeah, so. which is good. <laughs> yes, I that's don't think anybody that works at Lunia <laughs> is familiar with Riot. So yeah, yeah, yeah that's nice. good. That's yes. good. Yeah, she was super excited. She's like, "Oh, I love Lunia. I love their stuff. You guys got to get her on." Oh, that's and awesome. So we, I'm, I'm glad we finally made it work out, and I know it's tough. Uh, so we're excited to be here. So yeah. So why don't we uh, start things off with where were you born? What was your childhood like? What was young Ashley like? Wow, we're going to go deep. Yeah, oh, we're, we're getting real deep. Back. Back. All right, all right. Um, young Ashley. So um, I'm from L.A. Okay. Uh, Mark and I are both L.A. natives, yeah. which is like makes us... Did you go to USC as well? No, I went to the uh, the smart school in town. Mm. UCLA. USC Business School? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. UCLA. Yeah, school, yeah. Mark and I have a really yeah, yeah, fun yeah, rivalry yeah, yeah, around yeah. this one. Um, house divided. <laughs> yeah. It's exactly right. Uh, so, um, yeah, we're both, we're, we're both from here, but... Um, you know, early on, I was actually an equestrian, so I rode horses. Oh, nice. wow. um, I did this kind of obscure kind of horseback riding called dressage, okay. which was like it's um, re- it's from military riding. So okay. uh, kind of funny. I'm sort of an OCD person, though, so it actually makes a lot of sense with my personality type. I uh, did that for years. Was very competitive in that all throughout um, elementary and high school. How did you get into that? Isn't that funny? It's it's so random. Basically, I lived in a neighborhood where everybody had horses, and so uh, I got really into horses. Was so obsessed with it. Uh, started riding more competitively, and then um, ju- I, jumping was what most people would get into. But my dad had said a strict no on jumping, mm-hmm. and so it kind of like pushed me into this other path. Yeah, and um, it ended up being a good fit for my personality because it's all about precision and practicing right. until you like get something right. Um, and so it was really fun. And, uh, I think it also just kept me distracted and out of a lot of the, the things that could have sent me off track yeah. through high school and all that. But yeah. So did you like think that you would do that professionally or was it kind of just more of like a hobby and you knew? It was more of a hobby. I knew that there was going to be a moment at the end of high school where I could decide, am I going to try to go the Olympics route or am I going to, um, am I going to kind of move on? And, um, the downside scenario in the Olympics route was not a really appealing one. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, yeah, I'm just, it's just not worth it. Like the life that I could have is just pretty specific. And yeah. beyond that, you know, it's not a lot. So it became something though, that was a hobby, something I was passionate about. I loved horses. It certainly helped me get into college, you know, so yeah. it, it really was a great thing. Um, I thought I was going to be a lawyer hmm. and that was because Ally McBeal was super popular when yeah. I was uh, like middle school, high school age. And it looked rad, right. you know, it's like, oh, she's, super cool, smart, you know, like a badass, basically. Mm-hmm. I want to be a lawyer. And so that was actually what kept me academically on track. Gotcha. Uh, and I thought all the way through college that that was what I wanted to be. And then finally, when I got to the end of college, I realized maybe I should like talk to a lawyer. Yeah. Mm. And just like make sure that just this in is case, the right. I, yeah, yeah. Just I'm in not case. I'm a fan of what yeah. the day to day is like. And it was a good thing because yeah. when I talked to her and I was like, yeah, this job isn't quite like it was depicted on Ally McBeal. And so I realized that yeah. probably wasn't the path for me. <laughs> you know, I think that's great. Advice. And I went yeah. to law school actually and I'd never practiced. And I did talk to lawyers and I just at the end of it when I got in and I was like, I don't know if this is something I want to do day to day. Yeah. But I think that's great advice for folks that are listening or just like, you know, the millennial generation is a lot of things look great on TV totally. in film you know whether it's being a film or even being an entrepreneur I think yes. is something that's so uh, it's like sexy these days oh I'm an entrepreneur I get to work for myself I'm gonna make my own money it's probably even more difficult than going down a career path of being a lawyer or doctor because there is no blueprint 
I there's say no law. to people all the time that I think that there's actually um, there's a there's a trap of it looking really sexy right, right now. Right. And I do think there's an allure to going, oh, I'm going to work for myself. But sure. the reality is most people who start a business don't work for themselves beyond the first year or so because right. they raise money and they actually work Board for the money. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, or, or the customers. Or the customers, yeah. right? So right. You're, you're still reporting to people. Yeah, right. um, and now that there's there's no line between your life and your business mm. because it's like it's all consuming. So mm. I always tell people it's like there's a concept. I know I'm getting like oh, no, off track perfect. here. No, but there's a concept called ikigai, which is one of what our... What is it called again? Ikigai. Okay. It's a Japanese word. And um, it's this idea of picking what you want to do in life not based on... Ally McBeal or, you know, that what yeah. you think you should do, but figuring out what it is that you're good at, yeah. what is it that you love, what does the world need, and what can you get paid for? Mm -hmm. And that you try to basically pick a career Combine. that's the intersection of those things. Yeah. And I think that you can get to such a better outcome with that kind of framework versus this, this ladder where like, oh, I need this title and this. Because oftentimes people are not well suited to that job mm -hmm. or they just think they want it because they saw somebody else had it. But when the, when you really unpack what they're good at, what they like to do, it's actually a mismatch. Actually, just to take that one step further. I mean, I, I love that concept. And I, I can't wait to read more about it. Yeah, after. Me, me too. And um, <laughs> yeah. And the, the problem I think for me is in those four things you just mentioned yeah. is the, how to make money on it yeah. or how to make money from it or doing that thing. Yeah. It's, I, I feel like it's easier said than done, right? Sure. I think I have figured out the other three personally, but the fourth one of like, you know, how do you make money on it? Right. How, what, what can people do to even start thinking about that or like researching it? Or I don't, I don't know what it is, but yeah. how do you get to the answer? Well, I think that's, and I don't have the answer sure. to this, right? But like, I'm going to use this company as an example. Perfect. So one of the things this that This company happened, being Lunia. Lunia, yes, yeah. right. Sorry. Um, yeah, I'm going to use Lunia as an example. So... Um, I have a lot of people that come in here as entry-level folks, and I ask them, what do you want to do? And that's like a perplexing question for right, people. Right. They're like, I don't know. They want I, what a am job. I supposed to? I, need, yeah. I, I don't know. I want to be a CEO or a CMO. Right. or they, They'd yeah. say some big title that's like what they think they're supposed right. to want to be. Or I want to be in marketing. They don't even really know what marketing mm -hmm. means. Right. But everybody yeah. comes in, oh, I'm going to be yeah. in marketing. Um, the, we do here, we have, we call them shadow days. But basically, anyone who's below a director level can shadow once a quarter anybody in the organization. And the idea is to sit next to somebody who's doing something that maybe you know nothing about and to figure out what the job really is, talk to that person about what they like and get a sense of like what the day-to-day -day is like. I also think starting, so you know, one of the things I suggest then to people is broad exposure because mm -hmm. I think that we all hear about a certain handful of jobs. But what you don't realize is, you know, I'm, I got a company here of 45 people and not one of them has the same job title, right. you know? So there's a lot of people here doing a lot of really different things that I had never heard of before I started being right. in this industry. Right. Um, I love that concept of exposure. He knows. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's just one. like, that because it's like, if you're not exposed to certain things and you, how do you really know like what your passion is? Like of you course. might, there might be something out there that is perfect for you Yes. because now like when you're exposed to it, you can look back and be like, wow, actually I think I might be good at that. Cause I like this, I like that. And I feel like my skills complement that really well. Yes. And so, so both of your points, I think the biggest challenge is once you get past college or grad school, there aren't those opportunities unless it's a job. I agree. Well, so I think unless we come up with a company where you know, folks that are working professionals also get to shadow other people in other industries, perhaps. Perhaps that's an idea that so, has legs. I, I, think, I yeah. think one thing I did before I worked here, my first job, I was at, so after college, I went to culinary school for six months. Love it. Um, I like sort of backed my parents into a funny spot where they were like, yeah. we're going to pay for four years of school. And so this is like, post the schools that shall not be named. Post college. Yes, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Perfect. That Amazing. post superior <laughs> Los Angeles <laughs> institution. Correct. I don't um, know if Stanford was here. <laughs> <laughs> Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so then, <laughs> amazing. Um, it, but after graduating, I, I, uh, my parents had said four years, yeah. so I graduated early and right. stuck the culinary school yeah. in there, and so I <laughs> no, kind of worked nice. that one out. Yeah, nice but loophole there. Yeah. I'm like, you weren't specific, and so now you're going to you pay the price. You just what it took to that, be a lawyer. That's right. See? You can see why I thought that might have lined up for me. Um, so, so basically, I wanted to work at venture capital after mm -hmm. because I thought, you know, I actually love deals. That's what I think I had loved about the legal ideas, like I love right. the negotiation, I love deals, I like understanding stuff. it, transactions, I love entrepreneurs, I like change makers and just being around them. And I was like, this is super cool. Um, and if you think about my 
I was a art history and English double major mm-hmm. with a um, culinary school background. I was right. clearly the most perfect hire for a venture capital <laughs> job. So then they, uh, I offered to work for free, and yeah. I worked after school. So at a venture I, capital firm? Um, at a venture capital firm. So I did whatever their most crap uh, entry-level position was, and I just said, I'm going to work for free. Th- free for three months. And um, if after it, you don't want to hire me, then you don't have to hire me, you know? And luckily they wanted to hire me, but I do advise that to people. So I think there's something to the, and it's not going to be convenient, you know, like I did it after I went to school for a full day. I then drove and did that job. But I think that's, that's the thing is like, you have to be, um, you, you have to, you have to drive your own destiny, you know? It sounds like you had a lot of interests. <laughs> yeah. I, I, so when I'm saying it, I'm realizing it yeah, sounds like I'm which just is common, like, oh, which is which is common you, for a Yeah, lot I'm of glad folks. you're saying this because yeah. everybody that, not everybody, but a lot of people we've interviewed are like, oh, we love this, we did this, and now we're here. Here we are. Yeah. But it's like it's never that way. Yeah. No, didn't feel that way for me. Yeah, no, exactly. So I guess I'm just wondering kind of where, like, did you, I mean, did you even have, like, a narrow focus of, like, what you, like, I know you said you wanted to go into venture capital. Um, why was that? When did you even kind of come across that thing where you're like, I like deal making. Like what, uh, growing up, was there anyone in your family who was in venture capital or around you or how did that come it, about? It wasn't the funding piece of it. I just liked the, there's something about people that see challenge as opportunity mm-hmm. that really appeals to me. And that's inherent in people that are starting businesses. The odds are against you, right? You're doing something that has never been done before. It's yeah. going to be super hard. It's like you're around people that believe that they can. Right. Whatever it is they're trying to do, they believe they can. Mm-hmm. And that's really awesome to be around. Yeah. And I think that um, my dad is someone who's very much like that. Mm-hmm. He was a dentist, but my dad can build cars. He's like driven, you know, he's driven race cars, builds cars. He like, he can fly airplanes. He can do like right. all sorts of crazy things, right. build homes. Like he's just, um, and I think it's just because he believed he could. Yeah. Um, and so I think I was attracted to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so that really, I think for me was a big driver. When I was younger, I uh, we lived near a creek and I used to um, well, I used to organize the rocks in the creek in a straight line. Remember that OCD thing oh, I was talking yeah. about? Yeah. But when I found superior rocks, I would sell them on the side of the road. And mm. you can imagine I had like a booming business. Yeah. Everybody wants to buy a rock. But um, <laughs> I think that there was something about um, like I, I liked that process of, of like finding something of value and kind of yeah. make, you know, making a business of it or yeah, and was there ever a moment in your life where you, because you had so many like different passions or interests, um, if you will, uh, that you weren't sure kind of like where you would end up or what you would do? Because I feel like that's pretty common All the just time. in general. <laughs> I, I remember, so so my path, if you were to just go like what's the high level resume, yeah. was from, uh, you know, I went to UCLA Art History and English. Mm-hmm. Then I went to culinary school. Did you finish culinary school? I did. Okay. I did. So I went to culinary school. It was only a six-month okay. program, though, not, not the longer ones. Um, then I went to venture capital. Then I worked at an online media company where I did M&A and BD for mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember coming to talking to actually my dad again. I was chatting with him, and I said, I don't know what to do next. Um, I got to be an entrepreneur at, um, at that online media company and build this site called momtastic mm-hmm. uh within the organization it was amazing but i was like what do i do next i don't have a good business idea and i i'm lacking like technical skills to do a lot of certain things that yeah. i have competency and what do i do and, and he said to me and i thought this was so great he's like ashley your life is built of tangents everybody's life is and ultimately you don't know where they're headed but they're all connected and what they're doing is shaping you into a person that has a certain set of experience and skill set that is going to be very right for something. Yeah, and that's never been seen before. <laughs> Everyone's never, life is different. And it's yeah. right. I'm it, laughing because it's just genius. It's, yeah. It was so helpful. Yeah, yeah. Because I thought, Dad, how am I gonna, I'm going to be in an interview and how am I going to explain this path? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, it's, if it's the right if if it's the right job, if it's the right situation, the path's going to make sense. Right. Or they're going to you're going to be able to speak to it and and the person's going to understand your, you know, your brain and why you're in this right. way. And I look at it and I swear it's so true. Mm-hmm. You know, like Momtastic taught me how to build a brand and how to acquire audience and it taught me how to overcome not knowing how to do things. And yeah. I think like, you know, culinary school and art history taught me a lot about creativity and you know, it's just like and for, you know, I know for Mark like his his sports and a lot of that that taught yeah. him teamwork. And so it's like if you were to 
put it all together, you don't understand why it works, right. but it works. And I think the biggest worry comes from, I mean, this is the age old, you know, debate of, of specialists versus generalists, right? And being yeah. a jack of all trades and being Fair. good at a lot of things and knowing a little bit about a lot of things, but not having like a deep expertise in one thing. And I think that a lot of people who have a lot of interest would prefer to be a jack of all trades because it's like, I can't just focus on one thing and block out everything else. But that's where the worry comes from is like, will anyone, am I hireable or is anyone going to like pay me for a service that I don't right. know, like a deep, have a deep knowledge in. So mm-hmm. this is where that ikigai exercise is really useful. Yeah. It's literally circles that overlap and you fill it out. I'm doing it's, this tonight. It's like a, a double great, Venn diagram. Yeah, it's exactly. And it's a great place to start because you're not starting from a place of titles or of the job you want. You're starting from who you are and mm. what actually like motivates you in the world, you know? And for me, actually, what was in the center box was creative challenge. Mm. And when I saw it in there, I was like, of course, that's what I like. That's probably why I shouldn't run a Mac, a big company, actually, because right. what I like is breaking things. Mm. So when th- this company will likely outgrow me because that's not a great plan for getting to be, you know, right. if you're going to get from a 50 million revenue company to a 200 million company, what you need to get there is probably process and yeah, people systems and systems, orders. right, which is probably not right for someone who likes to break things. Yeah. <laughs> so so, so no, realizing that, what, at what point did you realize that creative challenge is what was driving you? When did you do that exercise? I did that exercise like six months ago. Oh, this is like recent. It's oh, recent. The, and I, the, that's where now I'm like, oh my gosh, that was so <laughs> trans. It was like, I looked at it and I went, oh, this makes so much sense. Yeah. yeah. You know? So going back, sorry to cut you off. Yeah. Um, but going back, like uh, even with that advice that you got, like would you change anything about your tra- trajectory of like whatever you did, like whatever your major was in college, what you ended up doing after so, so or, no. Yeah. And I think that's sort of like that one of those questions that most people always say they, they don't because you don't know what the cost would be of True. those changes and I'm happy with where I'm at. I will say, and I say this as like, you know, a woman who's trying to balance the kids and the work right. thing, that I did it all at the same time. Mm-hmm. I literally started my business, went to business school and had kids at the same time. Mm-hmm. I And my husband was running a business, like a big exploding business at the same time. I don't recommend that to anybody. Yeah. And I and it's like, it's not something that I feel like people kind of, they're like, wow, that's so impressive. And I'm like, I don't even think we should celebrate it because what it means is that I didn't get to enjoy any of those things very much. Mm-hmm. I felt, you know, and I, this is where I think that Ikigai exercise is important because you get to the integrity of what experience is positive right. for you. And I just think like what that meant was, there was a little something that was taken away from all those things. And so for me, my one takeaway would be if I could be sure I would have the same outcome, Mm -hmm. I would definitely not do it all on top of each other. You know, you brought up an interesting point. I hate when people that are podcasters or journalists or whatever, especially males that ask females, like, how do you balance being a mother and like an entrepreneur? Yeah. I mean, I hate it. I do hate it. But I mean, knowing Mark and knowing the company that he's built, knowing you and the company you built, I mean, how the hell did you do it? Like, seriously, like, you went to business school. You went to grad school after, right? Uh, I did. I went to grad school, okay. yeah. And I was in grad school while doing the business while having both kids. So Got that it. was wow. not good. When I did mean, you meet Mark, by the way? I met Mark, so uh, when I was 19. Okay. I'm 35 now. Okay. Um, we've been married. This November will be 10 years. Wow. Congratulations. Um, thank you. Um, and... Uh, so we've known each other for a long time. Yeah. He actually moved into my very grungy one-bedroom apartment uh, when he started his business. So we were together before it, and then yeah. uh, at like sort of eight months, he moved in because he didn't have a job anymore, didn't have any more income. <laughs> and then I did the books at his business um, on my lunch hour. So I yeah. would go over there and Did of- you guys ever have this plan? I mean, did you guys ever sit down and like, like seriously, like, you know, you don't have to be humble if you did, but did you ever think that this is where, and I'm sure there's going to be more to, to, than just this, you sure. guys are so young, but was there ever a plan that was like discussed or strategized or like just even like, oh yeah, like maybe that'll happen in our wildest dreams? You know what, what, what I knew is that Mark was ambitious and I was ambitious. And so I think I knew, I felt like comfortable that we would have like a reasonable lifestyle. I assumed we'd both be professionals. I think I sort of like foresaw it that. Um, I certainly could never have forecasted where things ended up. Um, But what we did talk about prior to getting married um, is both Mark and I were raised in a more traditional home structure where the moms for the most of our upbringing stayed home and helped raise us. And our dads were um, primary breadwinners. And I did look to him and I said, that's not going to be how 
that's not what I'm signing up for. Um, and you have to be okay with that. And I don't even think we both knew the weight of that agreement that we had made at that time. Um, and I feel really happy that we had that conversation because when kids came, things got so hard. And I think if I hadn't been clear about it, then he would he could have been like, you know, oh my gosh, this wasn't what I thought. Yeah, you're not supporting me and you're not doing these things. But I was like, remember, I said this from the beginning. And so for six years, I was much more in a support role. And, um, and then at six years, I said, okay, like your business is big enough. You've got a lot of team now. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm having, I'm going to have a kid. If I don't start this now, I'm never, I might never do it. And so now's my, my turn. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and we felt what we had, what we felt was a good idea. And, and that was a together decision. So you went to business school, started Looney and had a kid at the same time. All at the same time. Actually, I started business school, September, 2012, um, early September, 2012. I found out I was pregnant late September, 2012. Wow. And I started Lunia in October of wow. that same year. It was like, is it, it's one of those things where you go like, wow. And I feel wow looking yeah. back at it, yeah. but I'm like, I just, it came at a cost to our marriage. It sure. came at a cost to our happiness. Right. And we're still trying to rebuild what that did to our marriage. I'm just like being real honest yeah. about it. So I say that because I'm always scared that um, I never want to give like an unrealistic portrayal. Right. And yeah. then people go, oh, this is the new standard. This is right. what I should do. And I'm like, to me. The it's, perfect couple. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's almost like what happened is I think I missed, I miss some of the things that really mattered. Right. And, and I think Mark too is like, we just, I don't know. We we sacrificed a lot f- for probably too long. You know, and I, it's funny. Alexis Ohanian, who I love following, who founded Reddit, and he's now yeah. a venture capitalist. And he talks a lot about this like hustle porn. And now he's now that he's a father, yeah, he's like very into the whole like being a father, like yes. being a parent. And I think that him and Serena both like started later in life in terms of being parents. Yeah. Um, but I also think that being a full time parent that also comes at a cost for your business. Of course. So it's like. Which one do you pick? Like, there is no good choice. It's almost like a personal decision that you have to make. And it's, I mean, I, I haven't been to that point yet, but I feel like it's just so difficult. It's hard because I also, you know, what the way I think about it is I, I look at life as this pie graph and I think about it like it's, it's, it's the whole life is a pie graph, not this moment, not the next five years. So when I think about what I want in that pie graph, there's a lot of things I want in it, right? I want, I want family. I want fun. I want, I want business, um, you know, like success. I want all these things, but I also have to acknowledge that those all won't happen at the same time. And so if you look at my life right now, it feels pretty two note, basically it's kids and, and work. Work, And so, um, I, it's, it's, there's not a lot of time for fun and frivolous and spontaneous and art and things that I also care about. But I, I do think that's, if I'm, I, you know, my, I got to get my mind right about that. And I also think that like, I'm going hard with the expectation that I won't be going forever. You know, right. it's just like, so I think that's the other thing is you could also look at life completely differently and go, I want a job that that's great for the lifestyle I want, knowing that I might be doing it forever. Yeah. If I was going at this pace forever, I would definitely die early. But for someone who is ambitious, um, what, how do you, you talk about happiness? Like how do you, what, how do you define that? Or how do you try to define that for yourself? Like what, what is the ideal scenario when you're, when you have kids to take care of, you have a family, you have a business at the time you're in school and you're not anymore, but you want to be able to try to try to balance it out. Mm-hmm. How, how, at what point do you feel like you get closer and closer to like the optimal happiness point? I feel like if I stay true to my values and the things that I say are important. And so for me, you know, Lunia is more than just a company that sells sleepwear. You know, we are in the, we're, we're, a women-led company, which I feel like is getting a little cliche at this point, but it's like it, it's we have an opportunity to be an example of what a, a great company can be, right. and I think that everybody that's here feels like they're a part of that. And um, you know, there's a handful of companies that are run by women that have actually reached any real size, mm-hmm. um, and I think that it's important to be part. I be the change is my personal quote, my like or not mm-hmm. my personal quote, my personal motto. Yeah. I, I'm stealing that from somebody else for sure. Gandhi, I think. Um, yeah, probably <laughs> someone with way more eloquence than me. Yeah. But I, I loved it, and yeah. I heard it, and I was like, yes. And I think so. For me, there's a mission about being here and about being involved with this that um, drives me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I feel like I'm living into the person I say I want to be, a good wife, a good parent, a good friend, um, somebody who uh, 
it leads an aspirational business mm-hmm. um, that that feels good. That makes me feel satisfied. And speaking of Looney, I'm trying to remember, and I'm, I'm, I probably don't remember everything, but when Mark mentioned it, he said that the idea was born literally, I think, again, this could be a very wrong story. It's okay. But you were looking in the mirror or something, and you're like, there needs to be like better sleepwear. Totally. That's okay. exactly the Amazing. story. I was wearing like Mark's old, I can't remember if there was <laughs> oh, yeah, his, his red shirt or his <laughs> yeah. like, or some weird some like kind of. beautiful USC shirt probably. Probably. <laughs> yeah. No, he was at a frat, so definitely if it was out of the shore, it was like a frat shirt. Or a, um. Or something like Star Wars. I can't remember which one it was. Okay. But it was yeah. I had a rotation between mm-hmm. those two outfits. Mm-hmm. And usually there was some kind of hole because that right. was the reason it was discarded from right. his drawer and made it into mine. And then um, I would be wearing his boxer briefs, which I'd wear rolled up. Yeah. And that was my nighttime... I was, you know, outfit. I was, I was bringing sexy into the bedroom is what I'm trying <laughs> yeah. to tell you. Yeah. yeah. So that's when, I mean, like when, did, so what was the idea? Uh, and what were you doing at the time? Cause I know you did the online media thing. Were you there at the time? Yeah. Like how did, yeah. Well, so what's funny is, um, so I was working in that online media company. I got to build Momtastic from the inside and, and it was that cool entrepreneurial experience. And then I kind of got to a place with that company or Mark's company was doing really well. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, um, what is it that I want to do? And while I enjoyed that job I had, I kind of checked the box on that experience. And I thought, you know, I'd I'd like to be part of building something. Um, And it needs to be meaningful because, I mean, just candidly, as his company did well, my salary was less and less relevant, you know? And so I thought it can't just be money that gets me out of bed in the morning. Granted, I want to make money because it's like, that's that's how I know that the business is (laughs) sustainable and working. But it had to be more. And so... um, you know, I realized that I had to have like this deep purpose around creating it and whatnot. So for me, I didn't know what the answer was. I had to have that experience wearing those old clothes um, like quite a while before I did right. it. Then I found a lot of reasons why not to launch the company. I thought, you know, what do I know about Naturally. making clothes? Yeah. Like I, I'm scared, you know, like all that, this isn't a good time. Like I could list off reasons. Right. right? right. Yeah. Um, and then, and so there was a gap in time between actually when I ended my job and I knew I was going to business school. I had gotten in, there was like, so that was a plan before that you was did. the plan. Yeah. yeah you I, went was to Anderson, right? I went to Anderson. Um, and so I was like, I had, you know, I don't remember exactly how much time, but I had some time in between. We were we had moved, so I was like, "Cool, I'm going to move into this mm-hmm. new thing." And um, and I still was like, "I don't know what I'm going to do." Yeah. Um, but did I, you like? Did you want to be an entrepreneur? Was that the plan, or I, like? I wanted to be a part of something that was meaningful. Okay. It didn't have to be my own thing. So I what felt were like you going to business school for? What, what like what function? Maybe to find a, a partner oh, okay. or someone else that yeah. was doing a business that maybe I could join. I right. felt like. No matter what I did, I wanted to be somebody that could be a part of building something, and I needed to gain skills that would be valuable mm-hmm. in doing that. Um, I guess I kind of look at that very strategically. I was like, if I want to do this, I need to become valuable in this right, way. Gotcha. Um, my husband would tell you that was how I looked at culinary school, too. I was like, if I want to secure a good, uh, you know, guy, I got my culinary school background yeah. and we're ready to go. Um, the, through, what do they say? Like the, the way the way is through the stomach or yeah. something, you know? Yeah, definitely. For sure, Mark. He eats so much. So yes. it's like, yeah. it's totally his love it's definitely language. Definitely a thing. Yes. Um, but so, yeah. So I was like, I got to get these skills. And so I went to business school thinking, okay, this is like, I'm going to meet a person who's got an idea and I'm just going to like join the team right. and that's going to be great. What happened, though, is I got pregnant. And when I got pregnant, I thought that idea started haunting me about the sleepwear. And I was like, man, it's not a bad idea. It's actually, like, a really good idea. And the precedent totally exists. Like, Lululemon and what they did mm-hmm. for, for athletic wear, which yeah, was, like, leisure. almost 20 tier. 20 years earlier was exactly the same people wearing a substitute product and frankly your athletic wear is almost less important because you wear it for 45 minutes an hour a day this is the clothing that you're going to wear around all the people you care about most for 50 percent of your life and how are you showing up in that way and i was not showing up as my best self so i thought man if i could help people be confident comfortable in you know in the most intimate time of their day like that'd be incredible so anyway i when I got pregnant, I realized um, I had an opportunity to do it and that the only thing holding me back was fear. And I thought, actually, um, it would be worse to tell my kids that I didn't do it because I was afraid mm-hmm. than to do it and to fail. Mm-hmm. And so weirdly, my kids, which is, by the way, the thing I always assumed was going to get in in the way of mm-hmm. my professional right. career, were the impetus for me actually taking the plunge. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. And so I guess... Uh, did you finish business school? I did. 
You did. So, so you like you had this idea like when you first started business school. I actually did the whole thing. I started it all. School. Yeah, no, I did the whole oh, thing. Perfect. Yeah. So and nobody from business school is working here now. No, no. <laughs> so they didn't find a partner. Yeah. They didn't no, find they it. didn't find it in me. That's yeah. For they sure. didn't find it in you. No. No. no well, I'm sure. What other reasons? It. I mean, I know you mentioned fear. Like, what other reasons were there? Or like, what were you thinking about that? You were like, maybe I shouldn't start this. I heard something interesting the other yeah. day, or today actually, was that inspiration is perishable. And like that Ooh. when you come up with a lot of people, entrepreneurs come up with these ideas and they don't act on it right away. Mm-hmm. And then by that time, like it's, it's too late because you, you talk yourself out of it essentially. So I don't know. How did I mean, they're also representative of a, an opportunity, which is usually a moment in time. And if you don't act on it, I also think that sometimes that moment can close. I had two good ideas or two ideas I thought were good. Um, one was for a wedding registry. And this is actually kind of a funny story. So Mark and I had like no money when we got married. And um, so I registered for gifts. I hope I can get in trouble for this. I registered for gifts from the only place that I knew this was this was 10 years ago, okay, that would let me return for cash because what I actually needed was cash, not a set of like charger plates, you know? So I would go into Bed Bath & Beyond, which let you get cash back at that time. I mean, it's a bad policy. (laughs) You can see it. They're just bad. So, uh, well, you know, it was great for me. So what are you going to (laughs) do? And so, but they they didn't like it too much because I would show up and I'd like, I'd accumulate (laughs) a bunch of stuff. I'd have like a huge cart of things. I'd roll it in there and then I would do all my returns and they'd like hand me a big wad of cash. But if I went back because I had like a lot of yeah, things. Yeah. So I would have to go to different Bed Bath & Beyond <laughs> locations. Yeah, you don't want to do it all. Around. Totally. So I had this idea for what is now I think called Zola, but essentially a centralized wedding registry, which would allow you to get um, register for things, not at just one location, but a lot of different places. And to be able to just say straight up, hey, I want cash. I want cash. Yeah. You know, and like, I think that most people actually yeah. get that. Like, yeah. Culturally, it's becoming more common. But There's like crowdfunding for weddings and stuff now. now I mean, there's everything. Now yeah. it's all yeah. there. But yeah. at the time, none of those right. things existed. And so I was like doing my weird ghetto path to get some cash. Uh, I felt like a drug dealer. I'd go home with like a, just a wad of cash. Um, but like no blenders anymore. No, no blenders. plates, no forks. We didn't eat. We had a lot of cash. Actually, like, Mark will tell you this. I had no tea. TV. Um, and we, we lived together, but yeah. I wouldn't let us get a TV because I didn't want to pay the cable bill. Right. And so if he wanted to go watch a sports game, we had to go to this Mexican food restaurant and we'd get <laughs> chips and like order drinks because it was free yeah. and we would watch the sports game there. Yeah. You know, I love this because it's so real, but did, I mean, looking back, do you appreciate that you guys did that? Of course. Like, would you recommend that to like young couples who like have nothing, they don't even know what they're going to do, but they don't, they, they want to, they know they want to get married, but they're just trying to figure their lives out still. I think it's one of those things that for us was like incredibly bonding, especially because our lives changed so dramatically with success that um, it actually is weird because, I mean, uh, like it's, it's good weird, of course, but it makes you question who you are and what your values are because now you have different capabilities than you did before. And so having this nice foundation of knowing that what our what our relationship is actually based in um and and where our foundation started it feels really cool yeah. you know so how'd you come up with the name lunia so there's a word a swedish word so ba- so actually the way i did it was i started google has a google translate program yeah, we use it all the time everybody uses it yeah, yeah it's awesome and so i wanted i looked up words in every language that would su- suggest things that would relate to sleep and Dormir. so there there you go <laughs> but i wanted it to be um, a a word that i could own and you can get the Instagram I could get for, the handles for, domain, you know, all this stuff. The domain, yeah. So there's a word in Swedish that's, um, that is basically lunya, but it's L-U-G-N-A. Yeah. Americans would call that lugna. Yeah. But I spelled it phonetically and it means calm. And I also like that it referenced luna, meaning moon in Spanish. Yeah. And so it had this neat like multicultural heritage. Yeah. And I could put it together to create a word that I thought sounded nice yeah. and was representative of the space. Short, like, two syllables. Short, all the things. So right? how, yeah. And so how quickly from like having that realization when you're looking in the mirror, like how quickly was it until you actually started the company and, and what were those early days like because like I don't know if you knew anything about like just clothing and manufacturing yeah so how did you yeah how did you get going with that stuff? yeah so 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 the moment in the mirror happened and probably a year later you know I, I like was like okay I need to do it and that happened because of that that sort of moment around that it's now or never kind mm-hmm. of thing mm-hmm. um and so let's say that was september for two years i toiled trying to figure out how to make clothes in fashion um i had no idea what it was it was only me for one of those years and me plus another girl who also didn't know how to make clothes for another one of the years <laughs> yeah. and it was um 
it started with me Googling how do you make clothes. Yeah. And then um, what I also say to people is it also started, I mean, for me, I'm, when I, I'm, I've, I run. So I'm, I'm a runner. And the way I look at running is I pick points where I'm allowing myself to walk. I'll be like at the stop sign, I can walk. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, when I commit to something, that's very real for me. I don't like to fail myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was a big day when I said, I'm going to do this. Yeah. Nothing actually happened that day. Yeah, but Just, you, made, you made that I choice. made the commitment to myself. Yeah. And once I committed to myself, which it was a long process. I tried to beat that idea up for a long time, trying to convince myself it was a bad idea. But once I was like, it's a good idea and I'm in, I was in, in. you yeah. know? And so then I started telling people. And what's weird is when you start putting your dreams out into the universe, yeah. I think that most people want to... S- want to help you so you succeed and so I would like literally go you know I have this idea to do this thing and someone would be like you should talk to so-and-so because she's in the fashion half the you know 50% of these meetings were a waste of time sometimes you'd go to a meeting and they would go I don't know anything but talk to this person and so I would just follow these leads until I had enough information to piece together how you sort of make a garment and uh, that was basically the process and it was sort of like it was rambling and, and not official and um what it got to is actually that I was manufacturing. I'm lucky to live in L.A. where they do small batch manufacturing. Yeah. But I was even so small that no one wanted to talk to me or deal with me. So I was, it was at the point, and of course, remember, I didn't really know anything about making clothes. Right. So um, I was making cookies, trying to bribe them to finish oh. my production because I was the smallest order. And so they, would, they kept pushing my, my manufacturing order behind everybody's. So it was like the craziest, weirdest process ever. And it's funny when I think about where we're at now that that was like how yeah. it started. But, you know, that was how it started. Did that company or did that manufacturer give you what you wanted? Like did they give you like, – did that vision originally that you had – that you had – was did that translate into the product? No, I'm embarrassed by my first yeah. production line. Yeah. I think, and I'm so grateful to those people who bought any of that yeah. product, and then maybe even more so to those that then came back and yeah, bought again. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had a clear vision, but I it's hard to execute. I mean, this is a business of quantity. If you want to do customized fabrics right. and really high quality construction, you need to work with the best of the best, right. which and it I gets do. Really now. Expensive. It's really expensive, yeah. and your unit cost is really high. That's right, yeah. and and now and with scale, it works out. But at that point, I was just bleeding money on these pieces that I were yeah. like inferior. But yeah. you have to start somewhere. And how I mean, in terms of I know, I know like influencers and influencer marketing became a very big thing in the last few years. But when you started back in 2012, what were you really doing to get the name out about for Lunia? Yeah, so we launched in 2014. Okay. So that was when that process started. And for me, you know, if you go, I'm willing to put a finite amount of money into this, and I need to get to proof of concept. What I wanted to do is focus on um, what is the lowest hanging fruit with the best chance for ROI Moms. that we could do. Well, what's funny is influencer marketing was not it for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so because my cost of goods was so high and the return on investment on influencers is kind of low mm. in some respects, it's fine when your cost of goods is down. But if I'm going to send out, let's say I assume that for every good I send out, you know, maybe I got a 30% people will post to Instagram. And then of those people that post to Instagram, how many of those actually like have high convert. converting, yeah. right? It's it's a bad, it's yeah. bad for a small business. Yeah. And also now pretend that you're selling a sleepwear product, which is not an item that people are like yeah, sharing in a selfie, posting, yeah. you know? And I'm about so, to sleep. <laughs> that's right. Most women post their pictures when they're like yeah. all dolled up and yeah. they're looking their best, not yeah. when they're climbing into bed. Yeah. So I think this is one thing I talk to people about all the time is just because a mode of marketing or a business model is popular doesn't mean it's actually the right one for your right. business. And for me, Everyone was talking about influencers, and I wanted to because I was like, man, this is sexy and everyone's doing it. But I just couldn't reconcile it. What worked for me was conversion marketing. Mm -hmm. Like Facebook and Google paid for us all day long. paid ads? Yeah, paid ads. And so um, I basically built a whole business just focused on conversion ads and optimizing the the conversion numbers, and and that was how we did it. And then later, as we got bigger and the cost went down and I had a bigger team, influencers became part of that. But did you know like early on um, who your target audience was going to be, or how did you figure that out? Yeah, you know, um, I did build, so I did, I studied Lululemon's um, uh, business case. Mm -hmm. They have a Harvard business case that they did, and um, one of the things that they talked about in that case is how they created a, a muse. And it was very specific. It's a marketing target. Um, and I think her name is Ocean in, in, uh, at Lululemon. And she's like 32. And she, they have very specific about all the things about yeah. her. 
And um, we did that. So we went, who's the muse? And the muse is not all the people that buy, but it's the person I'm going to speak to. And you pick it carefully because you know that, like, everybody on the, on the you know, almost no one's going to be the muse, but I need to pick yeah. a muse that appeals to people on different ends of the spectrum. Right. So we kind of identified who we thought the muse was, and we did that based on who we, where we thought the demand was the greatest based on conversations we had right. with people and, you know, all this. The cool thing about being an, a digital you know, company is that you can very quickly... Um, determine if you're right. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so we had a lot of information very early on that allowed us to kind of yeah, refine yeah. our perspective. Who was on the team besides you? Like, who were you working with? So the first hire was um, this girl, Jasmine, and she um, was somebody I met actually through her husband, and she worked at Lululemon, and she was a store manager. Mm. And um, she started as my personal assistant because I couldn't define a role when you're like, oh, you're yeah. just going to do whatever Everything, needs to be done. Everything, like chief of staff. That's right. Yeah, like literally. chief of staff. Yeah. That's a perfect way. Uh, that should have been her title yeah, in hindsight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so she just worked with me. We literally shared a desk, worked off both sides of the desk and at home. And um, we just did whatever needed to be done. And neither of us knew what needed to be done. But we were kind of like, we're not above anything and we'll figure out what we don't right. know how to do. And mm -hmm. so that was my first hire. Yeah. And she was with me for quite a while. And um, I think the next hire was probably someone to run production, mm -hmm. if I remember correctly, because I'm like, I need to sort out this product piece. Yeah. Um, Going back to the yeah. target marketing thing, because I'm curious, because I know like Lululemon, when they started, if I'm not mistaken, they were like only targeting people who do yoga, like they were posting totally. like, on, like on the by the yoga classes, yes. like Lululemon, blah, blah, blah. Um, but everyone sleeps like everyone sleeps so uh That's how did right. how did you like what was like in like besides like age and like you know women age this and that like how did were you focused on like a particular segment of people that you were like they're going to be the ones that are going to not just buy my product but be like the evangelist and really share it with the world i mean our so yes, and we had a theory about what this person, who they were and, and, and how they went about their, their life, yeah. but not as specifically as we are now. Now we have very clear segmentation right. and it's mm -hmm. much more refined. At that point, it was sort of a general age range and um, sort of general interests of this person, where we might find them. And we literally based that off of who, when we would ask, we'd talk to people or I'd ask them like, you know, what do you wear to bed? And they'd say, oh, I wear these old clothes. Would you be interested in something that made you feel different? You know, this kind of thing. Who I had the most resonance out of. This yeah. is not a scientific study at this point, yeah. you know? And so you just, you're, this is the thing. This is why I think sometimes um, entrepreneurs are really great at running small businesses. And then you sometimes have different people that are good for running bigger businesses. But is you have to be comfortable operating in a large amount of, ambiguity and yeah. gray area you have to be scrappy yeah and like i had to be willing to pivot all the time because yeah. i often made mistakes and got right. it wrong and i i learned to fail very small right. so it's like how what's the smallest possible test i can do to right. try to get some direction on this because it's like you think you know because you've seen it before like in other cases but that doesn't apply to your That's right so you you try that and it doesn't work now That's you have right. to now do you have something to else it. yeah figure out what is the information i need to know to be able to get to the end of this and say this test worked or it didn't work and and that's important, actually, when figuring out the test. So you make sure you're collecting the actual data mm -hmm. you need. Um, but also, you know, just to add challenge to this is it's not like I was building an athletic wear company where there was an existing right. audience and demand built up. Right. I was going into a space and w the opportunity I see and saw was that nobody bought sleepwear. So right. my job wasn't to sell you my sleepwear. It was to sell you the idea of wearing sleepwear at home at all. Yeah. And and so, so like was it what was like the industry like at that time? Like were there other companies? I'm sure there are companies that had it as part of their like line, but it wasn't like that wasn't their focus. But so, how did you like how were you like I'm gonna fit in in this part of the market? So yeah. the way the industry looks and really looked even more then um, was you had traditional pajama sets, which are like woven, yeah. kind of I Love Lucy style, yeah, yeah, yeah. piped yeah. edge. You had sexy lingerie, kind of a la Victoria's Secret or um, La Perla or something mm -hmm. like this. And then you had uh, substitute products, so like people wearing a lot of Lululemon around the house. Mm -hmm. Or you had um, what I call like, like the uh, the generalist companies that made sleepwear as like a to increase their average order value on your checkout. Yeah. Yeah. You'd be like, I'm at J. Crew. They right. got a little sleep set. Yeah. I'm just going to throw it in with the yeah. order and it's done. Yeah. And so those were really the mar – and excuse me, I should say one more, which is you have the holiday jammies companies, which yeah. are like the sort of pajama grams of the world yeah. that are going to give you like yeah. the yeah. – yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. And so – 
that was kind of how I saw it. And what I realized is that my differentiation would be incredibly high quality. I mean, I say to make people feel comfortably confident, but incredibly high quality with a thoroughness to how I think about function and fit. Mm -hmm. And so that shows up in our garments in ways people don't even know. They'll look at it and they'll go, oh, this is really cute. And I'm like, great. What they don't know is that, you know, we created special seams for it so that there's no rubbing and friction that's going to happen when you sleep. We've designed the straps so they don't twist. We have special um, waistbands installed that don't ride up when you wear them. We have you know, even now our fabrics are, we have thermoregulating natural fibers. I've got fabrics that increase your body's circulation. I've got fabrics that cool your body down. And they're all developed within the natural fiber family. Like, this is the kind of stuff that I was like, you know, I kind of dreamed right. of being able to do. But I think that we realized that we could make something that could be functional yeah. and didn't have to feel functional. Yeah, it could right. feel amazing. Yeah, and I'm sure this is still a challenge and will always oh, yeah. be a challenge. But how do you... Uh, or what was it, what's your approach? Because with sleepwear, like like I think you mentioned posh earlier, it was like when, when people are wearing like regular clothes outside, like you want to you don't always want to wear the same thing, and like you want to you know people want to be fashionable this and that. But with sleepwear, like how many items can you own, and like how do you get customers like continuously coming back to buy more and more product? Once you go Lunia, you never go back. Never go back. And you got to sleep how many days in the year, you know? You (laughs) got to wash your clothes. And girls have a lot of friends that they tell about. It's a good gifting item. I think that often the way people hear about Lunia is they get it for a friend or they'll buy them a a face mask or something. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I've seen that there's sort of a lot of friends bringing friends into it. And I think that, um, you know, you, you sort of say that it's like interesting that we're sleepwear, but... Most people, I had a really funny story happen the other day as a girl brought one of our Pima rompers Mm -hmm. and she bought it on a Friday and she came back on Monday and was like, I need to buy another one. And we're like, okay, what happened? Well, I have to wash this one and I've been wearing it (laughs) since I bought it on Friday. (laughs) So people are wearing it out of the home. And I think that that's the difference, right? It's like, normally we think of sleepers either so embarrassing or so ugly that you'd never wear it out of the bedroom. I'm designing for sleep because I'm trying to optimize for this experience. But the reality is I'm making something so comfortable that you can wear it all weekend long Mm -hmm. or all day long if you're not, you know, especially people that work from home love it. But that that's a whole different value proposition. Right. In the past five years that you've been doing this, have you seen there be an increase in folks that are actually looking at buying this sort of stuff? Like whether it's through analytics of folks that are searching for pajamas or nightwear or sleepwear or whatever it may be has there been an increase as you know apparel has become more micro in terms of you know you have your yoga gear you have your running gear you have your i don't know sleepover gear you have your camping gear like has has there been some sort of increase that you've seen i mean our company has grown roughly 5x year over year so um I don't know. Yeah, Yeah. so I got to believe that we're creating awareness that is creating interest. I don't know if how much of that's specific to our company versus the whole niche. Um, But I mean, we're seeing, I mean, people are loving it. We have a really high um, repeat purchase rate, Mm -hmm. um, very low return rate. So what I feel is that people are buying it and they're liking it and they're buying more. So I assume that it's, you know, there's, it's right. working and right. it's, yeah. it's, it's an interest. So um, you mentioned like you had hired your first hire and you were kind of working from home like yeah. t- together. At what point did it kind of start feeling like this is going to take off? This is going to be like a real company and I'm going to be able to hire more people. And I know that's not an indicator of what a healthy company is. I know that's, a, no, that's you know, fine. a lot of people think having a lot of, you know, uh, bodies employee, in the room. Yeah, is, is, is the way to go. But um, yeah, at what point did it start feeling like a real thing? You know, it's a lot of little things. Um, so it's funny I tell people this story is I actually launched the business while delivering my daughter by accident. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have two kids. I had my son first and um, and she was like 15 months after. So just from a timeline standpoint. Um, so I um, I was in... I was like in the bed, like the, the oh, like, like literally birthing, the same literally time. Literally in oh. the bed. Um, I <laughs> I'm had thinking just, like a couple days apart. No, maybe. it's crazy. I was like, it was horrible. I was in contractions, but then I finally got the um, whatever the thing is that they numb you, and so I was feeling okay yeah. at that point. Yeah. And um, and so I was doing emails because I was like, well, Mark's asleep. Like I'm clearly going to be in this for a while. Right. Like I, got nothing else to I do don't right feel now. anything anymore. Yeah. So 
it's all fine. Epidural. Um, epidural. That's the word I was looking <laughs> I was for. Trying to think of that damn I think I just blocked the whole experience yeah, 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 out. I was right, like, right, yeah, right. I don't remember that <laughs> yeah. whole thing that yeah, happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so I was, um, I was on my email and I was posting a thank you to Jasmine because just for being awesome, like, yeah. and stepping in while right. I was like in the late stages of pregnancy and the right. whole thing. I was like, you're awesome, thank you. And it was on Facebook. This was back in the day. <laughs> you had to make it. I had to make. Yeah. I had to make that a public <laughs> announcement. But I wanted her to feel acknowledged. We had right. no team to acknowledge right, her right. amongst. So. Anyway, it started going, and I was like, I, you know, thanks for making Lunia awesome, and it linked to Lunia. And, and I still had the site in closed beta, though. And people, I think, all thought that that was meaning that I launched the business. And so they started virally resharing it. My friends did. And I was like, oh, my God, it's happening. They're, they're like, sharing it. I'm not going to get them to, like, repeat this action because this is happening organically. Yeah. So I was like, just take the closed beta, like, the yeah. sign-in off the page. And so we just launched the, the site oh, in that wow. moment. That's now, amazing. what's funny is when you launch a business like that, nothing actually happens. Right. You but know, did you have inventory? Like, did you, I you had inventory. Did you I was a ready. payment platform on the website? Did I have what? A payment platform? Yes, I was on Shopify okay. and it was closed beta so people had been transacting but like my mom and like... Yeah. Right, you're still testing. Like, yeah, testing. you weren't ready to... I wasn't like ready yeah. for it but I was like, you can't pass up this opportunity of yeah. like right. organic sharing right. so All I'm these people are on my website and they can't buy it? That's exactly right. You're like, you don't waste that. So we just launched it. And what's funny is, though, you know, of course, I'm sure a few people went there, but nobody transacted. So people are like, when you launch, what happens? And I'm like, nothing happens. <laughs> like, literally, like, nothing. Yeah. I think I had one order. It was like such a yeah, yeah. lame. But it was, so it wasn't like there was any sort of big validation point, yeah. back to your question. Um, and, and so what it was is a lot of very slow growth. I did pop-ups. I, 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 like, would show up at random, like, at an office. And, and, like, you know, I did a lot of, like, very grassrootsy type things. Had a lot of events at my house. House, would go to other people's events, would probably, all this kind of thing. It's very organic, yeah. you know, that process. And then what happens is I'd get some small wins and I'd be like, okay, this feels good. The process, though, of being an entrepreneur is like a roller coaster ride oh, yeah. that I've still yet to get off. Right. Um, and so it would be like I would start my day like, yeah, like I got this, we're killing it. And then I would end my day being like, what am I doing? Like, why am I making myself crazy like this? And every day I'd have to re-get my mind right. It was like yeah. a crazy process. And, and to that point, I'm, I'm assuming like you, like you, you might've been interested in like just clothing and stuff growing up, sure. but it wasn't like your biggest passion. Right. Um, so this was kind of an opportunity that you saw. And I know in a lot of cases, I mean, I've, I've just kind of been doing my own, like, you know, just kind of uh, soul searching and yeah. like re research in this area of like, you know, just kind of an entrepreneur just finding an opportunity as a business idea and going sure. after it versus like kind of chasing something that's within the realm of like their passion and what yeah. they what love to do. Because kind of going back to your point, like if you're doing that and you fail, like it's fine. Like you, you fail in something that you love doing, like what other, what else were you going to do? Right. But if things are hard when you're chasing a business opportunity and it's purely for that, right. then it's so easy to just be like, what am I doing? Let me just do something right. else. That's right. So how, did, how, like what kept you going in those times where it was like not, no one was buying, like you had to do all this, like, did you give yourself a time frame of like, if I'm not, if, if this doesn't happen by this time, then it's not the right idea? It was more monetary. Like okay. I was only willing to spend a certain amount of money before I started seeing money come back Got in. It. I'm actually kind of a naturally conservative person. I was going to tell I, you earlier, I was like, you're definitely the conservative. I'm much more conservative. <laughs> yeah. Mark is the opposite. Right, and I was yeah. lucky to have a Mark in my corner who was like, this is a great idea. Do Go, it, yeah. do it. You got yeah. it. Build the airplane yeah. while flying. And I was like, you're a crazy person. <laughs> yeah. I'm not in tech. Like it's not going to blow up. Yeah, I don't know yeah, what's yeah, going on. Yeah. And, and um, so I had to make my own path, which yeah. was a combination of I had really great influence from him yeah. and I had to do what felt right for me and the industry I was in. And, um, you know, I, I don't... I don't know. I, I will say, like, I meet a lot of people that want to start businesses. And one of the things we talk about, as you mentioned, sort of like, you know, how do you know what you can do yeah. that makes money? Mm -hmm. But I talk about sort of three things because we invest now in a, a number of businesses. And I, I, I'm lucky and I get to see a lot of different plans. And I often, there's that book, Good to Great, and mm -hmm. they talk about the um, hedgehog principle have you guys heard of that I, I have so many books on my list okay, and yeah. that's one of them that i've been meaning to read so yeah so frankly there's only like two things i really liked about the book and yeah. the hedgehog principle was one of them <laughs> yeah. and it's basically another i have a thing with like overlapping circles yeah yeah, you do it's another overlapping yeah, yeah. circle do you have any designs in, at lunia with overlapping circles no but now i'm thinking it's Maybe. like we my, talk a lot about my we talk a lot about intersections so it's yeah. kind of similar <laughs> totally. it's, su it's super similar yeah, yeah. i was like all becoming clear in this moment yeah, yeah. there's gonna be like some design coming out next month like two circles totally and only you guys and the people in this podcast yeah, they're yeah. going to know what's up yeah. 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 Hour exclusive. yeah exactly um so basically they say you know and i'm i'm butchering it but this mm -hmm. is the high level you have to have something you're incredibly passionate about mm -hmm. um and 
because it's going to be super hard and it's got to get you up in the morning. It's got to be something that you have a point of differentiation with. So something that you are distinctly well-suited to solve in a way that somebody else can't copy or or replicate. Mm -hmm. And then you have to have something that has a business model, like Mm -hmm. a plan to make money. And so it's funny that these don't sound that revolutionary, but it it eliminates most deals that I see that come across my desk. And I think that those are, it's usually not the passion problem. Most people are passionate. Usually it's, um, either a point of differentiation. There's no, like, I look at it and go, they're not special. someone else can do that. A lot of that. people have great ideas, but right. they're not the best suited to, like, someone else that has a better, like, understanding of how to solve something. Like, I, we always have, like, tech ideas, right? Like, yeah, yeah. App, this app or that app. Yeah, like, yeah. Not, not as, like, simple as that, but, like, we had some good ones. Yeah, but, uh, um, but it's like, we're not, we're not tech people. So, like, sure. like if, if so, we can obviously hire someone and partner with someone and all that stuff, but it's, it's like, it's just, some things are just not technical. Yeah, but if I'm sitting across the table from a venture capitalist or just a private investor or whatever, they'd be like, what, why should you build this? Right. Yeah. I'm going to be like, I don't know. I think I had, why I had you the, the best idea. person yeah. in the world to build it. I had it. the idea. We found somebody to build it. It's coming around. Look at it. But and, like, here's that's the, the thing, extent though. of it. It's not that you need experience. If you were to look at Mark and to look at me, mm-hmm. neither of us had experience. So what is it? Field. I mean, what is it that makes, like, what is that thing are, that an investor is looking for in terms of, like, that person can do it? Mark and I are unrelenting. Mm-hmm. Literally unrelenting. Good luck trying to make me. But stop. how do you show? You can't. How do you show that? I've never met you before. How do I show that? Yeah, you don't. I don't know. I don't have the answer for yeah. it. It's, I do think early stage you're investing in the person, right. and so I think there is a reason that people tend to like to invest in people they know yeah. because it's literally that, right? Like right. a good idea. I see a million good ideas. Yeah. The the ability to make that good idea into something is like, will you? Not sleep until that happens. Also, like, how much of your personal identity is tied? How sick are you, essentially? Is what yeah, I'm yeah. How much of your personal identity is tied into the success of that? Because you are literally going to have to pour your soul into this, and it still might not work. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, is, is I don't know, both, for both he and yeah. I. And I think what's cool, what's interesting about both of our journeys is neither of us were from the industry. We both came at it relating to the customer perspective. He was a gamer, incredibly passionate about gaming. And I'm somebody who could relate to not feeling like I had a way to feel comfortable and confident at home. And that customer hat has served both of us incredibly well because we never lost sight of that. Customers and guests at Lunia are the core of our experiences. And so when we're creating... You know, sometimes we make decisions that almost wouldn't make sense as a business decision because I know that as a customer, these are deeply meaningful things. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm curious. A lot of business owners listen to this podcast, I think, naturally. Just that's what it's become. Like a lot of the people that we interview listen to it and they get ideas from one another. And without giving away too much of, you know, any secrets or anything like that, what is like one marketing strategy or thing that you guys have done in the past or currently it could have been like one thing that you did. It was like a one-off that you've seen work and you were just like, wow, that was amazing. Like we've, ne- it was perhaps something revolutionary. Perhaps it wasn't revolutionary, but something that just stood out to you. And I think marketing strategy sometimes is a negative con- connotation. It's like, how, how do you best connect with your cu- customer in like, in, in a way that is uh, like, at least that's like conversion. the PC way. Yeah. I I, I'd say when I think about marketing and I love yeah. marketing because marketing is really human psychology, right? right? Um, resonance is the thing we talk about here. So what I say is don't do it because it's pretty on Instagram or whatever. Do it because it's going to resonate with it's our real. girl. Yeah. And I think that one thing that is absolutely true is not only do we know who our girl is, we know what our mission is and the value that we provide to her. And that's the barometer in which we use to speak to her and to know um, what kind of dialogues to pursue. So in marketing, we have conversations. Um, we just we did a campaign called I Come First, mm-hmm. which was basically an image of a girl sort of alluding to her masturbating. And we did a huge billboard campaign and put it all over the place. And I was scared to go live with this campaign because for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, But I thought, you know, it's who we've always been. This isn't a marketing stunt. Right, right. We are like a company. And the reason that the, the rationale behind this campaign was that um, I had come, I'd watched some, some great Netflix documentaries and read some articles about women, um, some challenges women are having in the bedroom. Like only 25% of women reach climax in sex. Mm-hmm. 30% of women have pain during sex. And on average, it takes them 10 years to tell anyone. And only wow. 30% of women masturbate. So I'm looking at these stats going, 
women have a problem in the bedroom, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And like, who is better to have this then conversation woman, yeah. with them than me, right? Yeah. And then and then Lunia. And right. so I was scared of it, but then I was like, but my motivations are pure. Like at the yeah. end of the day, we're a company that's always stood for making women feel comfortable and confident. That's not a campaign. That's who we are. And if you follow our company since inception, in small ways, we've always done things in that vein. And so for me, I think understanding deeply who you are and then being unafraid to step into that, you know, I think is, is for us has been the thing that has built loyalty and, um, and a strong customer relationship. I love that. Um, Kind of going back to my question about like that moment, was th- was there a moment where it kind of like, it was like the tipping point, if yeah. you will, or was it kind of just like a slow, gradual increase in terms of like whatever sales? I would say it was a slow, gradual increase, but there have been inflection moments mm-hmm. um, where I go, oh my God, like where I go, this is not going to be a successful company. This is going to be a holy cow company, mm-hmm. you know, where I have those sorts of moments. I do believe this will be a billion dollar business. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that that's important uh, because when I talk to you about that mission of having, you know, we need we need to point to women running successful businesses. Mm-hmm. We need to be more than oh, a lot of women starting businesses. Right. We need to be able to demonstrate success in them. And so, to me, it has to it has to work in that way. It doesn't have to be a billion dollar business, but I think there's no reason it shouldn't be. Right. Lululemon's like an eighteen billion dollar business. So <laughs> yeah. you're like, honestly, everyone sleeps and not everyone works. Yeah, out, I so think like, I think there's a big divide in apparel, especially where it's like. I mean, there's fashion in general yeah. where like there's like certain companies that are really big and right. then there's a lot of companies that are really small right. and like not that many in the middle. That's right. Yeah. I, I see that too. It's and a I, reverse bell curve, if you will. I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I see that. And I think that's one of the things we think about a lot here is like, you know, we're going to build towards what we think this company should be. Yeah. Um, and super scary. Not going to lie. Do you see yourself doing Lunia for the rest of your life? No. I think, um, you know, it's funny. As a, as a leader, one thing I really struggle with is, is pe- people. Um, I care a lot about my people. Um, but I also, like, am trying to be a, a, a leader that's, like, not too emotional mm-hmm. and, is, you know, can be professional this way. And so I feel a lot of, like, complication around people leadership. Um, this is something my husband is just very innately good at this. Mm-hmm. I'm very learned at this. And, um, and I think that lately I've had to come to grips with this idea that, like, you know, hopefully a lot of people will scale with the company and you try to build this company that encourages people to scale with it, that provides resources to help them scale, feedback, learning, all this kind of thing. But not everybody is the right person forever at mm-hmm. the company. But each person has something valuable that they can contribute right. and it might be that they're the right person for the time. I am the right person to run this company for this time. Mm-hmm. Um, I am, I told you, I'm a creative challenge person. That's a really great guy, like yeah. central factor right. for where this company's at. But once you feel like you're not creatively challenged anymore, now it's just pure business right. numbers. Well, and it should be someone that like, what is it the center for them is mm-hmm. what the right. company needs most. Mm-hmm. I think I will still be able to add value. I think founders bring soul and help people stay close yeah. to mission. And, um, and I think that I'm still going to be involved. I have no desire to walk away. This is my baby, you know, but I don't, I also just, Running it day to day. You're aware of that, 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 that day might come. It's a real thing. Yeah. No, it's like I'm planning for it. Yeah. And I'm building, I'm, I'm making relationships and, and trying to build succession planning around myself, not because I want to bounce, but because I don't want this company to be capped at my growth. Yeah. You right. know? We want it to be problem. bigger than you. Yeah. And right. I want to do the thing that I'm best at. I'm mm. really good at creative stuff. I'm good at, not like creative, like painting a picture. Yeah, right. I'm good at like creative strategy and, you know, these kinds of things. That's if you want to make me into a weapon, that's the place you're going to deploy me, right. you know? And so I think my I have to be real self-aware about what I'm really good at, try to focus myself in that way so I don't get in the way of Lunia's growth. I know you mentioned you don't have a lot of time outside of just like working right. and you know, family and all that yes. stuff. But what, what do you do when you have the time? Um, I mean, really, my life is very much like home with the kids and working. Yeah. Um, when I do have free time, which is like pretty few and far between. 20 minutes. Yeah, like yeah. a little bit. Um, so on my birthday, I take my birthday off. Um, When's your birthday? Uh, February 1st. I didn't yeah. used to take it off, but I realized as I'm getting older, it's like kind of a, like a weird, like complicated <laughs> day for me. Yeah, it's like, so it's a holiday. That's yeah, the deal. Yeah. Um, I went to an art gallery, which was super nice. fun. Um, I went to, oh, what's the one that starts with a G? Um, Getty? Gagwan or Gag. Gagosian. 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 Thank you. Yeah. You got it. Um, He's one of our people. 
Really? Well, Armenian, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it was a cool gallery. I went to like a bunch. I went to some yeah. small ones in Venice. But just, There's one in Beverly Hills, I believe. Yeah, that's the one I went to. Yeah. The, the frivolousness of just having an unscheduled day right. is yeah. like heaven. Mark and I all do, we do cycling trips. Nice. Um, and we do, we did one in Italy and we did it in France. And it's basically three days where you've got like a GPS and you're, you're, they deliver my luggage to the hotel I'm supposed to end up that night. And we have no agenda. We stop and have wine. We're like semi-buzzed biking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We like stop in these weird little like funny things. That the freedom of that, like if I have my dream days, it's always about just like freedom. Yeah, you know? not having no like a schedule. Yeah, those are pretty few and far between though. It's amazing. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation. So fun. Thank yeah. you guys. Yeah, I think I was, I was literally the whole time I was thinking this is probably one of my favorite episodes. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I usually say that off I, air. I, I, but now think I'm saying it on I air. think Mark, we're going to beat you. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to try th- to give him a run for his money. I, I, th- I think you might. I think Mark's <laughs> going to be in the top six. You can bet yeah. that this is going to become <laughs> yeah. a marketing initiative oh, at Lunia though. And we're yeah. going to be like, look, <laughs> yeah. this is serious. This is, yeah. yeah, beat Hashtag beat hubby. You know what's cool about Mark is he would love that. Yeah, yeah, You know, he's like, he is a huge supporter of mine and uh, he's been someone in my yeah. corner the whole way. So he'd and, love it. And I think I'm, I'm not the you know best suited person to say this, but I think that one thing that really you said, and I think that should be heard more is that there, I think, I think women are probably better founders than males. I think that from what I've learned and from this podcast and from what I've seen, I think you guys are much more organized, you're emotional, but also logical. So men don't tend to have a lot of that emotion. Again, I'm generalizing. Sure, sure, I'm very heavy generalizing right here. But I, I think that what is lacking in society in general are more vocal female founders who are successful. Yeah. I think a lot of times because there's so much going on in your lives, you don't have time to talk about it. Sure. You know, you're not as, you know, out there in terms of like doing podcasts and interviews and going on TV. Yeah. And, you know, all that stuff, going on social media. I think, and I'm not saying men aren't busy, but because we're not the primary caretakers right, of kids. Of we get to do a lot more of that stuff, but I think that to change that narrative, I think women need to be more vocal. I think they yeah. need to be like I think we struggled there early on, like to get female founders on our podcast. Really, and it was because like even you know, though hey, even though like we were oh, focused on that, yeah, yeah, we like, yeah, were like yeah. getting more. It wasn't a thing. We were Sorry, just like, guys, I'm not. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was like you know, it was like hey, we're bu- we would love to be on it, but we're busy. You know, we yeah. have our kids, and we're like, yeah, we totally get it. I mean, also, you saw how long it took us to schedule. Exactly. No, totally. Also, when it comes to like just running the company, like you said, like um, you know, you're you're trying to build a billion dollar company, and so you're so focused. You're so much more focused i yeah. think than someone who you know who may not be as focused yeah. like because yeah. they can they have more time yeah. to do other things this is one of those things that we've had to work through even in our relationship at this point as my company's needs have grown mark's had to be a real big support at yeah. home and i'm really lucky that um we are so supportive of each other because it's like the reality is you can't be ceo yeah. at home and be running a big com- it's like it, you're just it's just not yeah yeah if you have to give one final advice on for for folks that do want to have that relationship where both couples both uh both individuals in that relationship are working what would it be you know i would say choose somebody that really wants you to be the best version of yourself. They're, they're really just focused on on you. And then you hopefully are selfless enough to be focused on them. There's sort of a, a necessary selflessness in a relationship that's going to invite uh, um, demand so many trade-offs. You know, a lot of sacrifice in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't get to do all the fun things we want to do. But I would say um, my success, because it was important to me, was always very important to Mark and vice versa. And um, I think that that fundamental understanding very early on has really enabled me to be a successful career person. Awesome. Well, we're so excited to see where things go from here. Thank and all you. the best to you and Lunia. And we're excited to see you on the Forbes, uh, Forbes Top 100. <laughs> Thanks so much. <laughs> Thanks for your time, guys. Thank you. Thank you.